Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full time. I am the founder of Rapid, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Hello and welcome back to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry, where we talk about everything equity here. And I am so excited to be back. We took a break. I took a break, I should say. I took a break for the last couple of months as things heated up around the election and, and our country and everything else that hit us in 2020 and obviously continuing in 2021. Um, over here at Prairie Consultants, we're doing great. We're excellent. Um, business is going well. The nonprofit that I've spoke about, Rapid, on here numerous times is doing phenomenal. We had our, our first birthday party, which was extremely successful and very fun. And to all our listeners out there who joined us at that birthday party, I hope you had an amazing time and we thank you for your participation. Today, I first want you to notice, did you notice the amazing logo change? I had an amazing offer from a fantastic person named Connie, and they offered to give us an updated look, and I'm really excited and so incredibly grateful for that. So a big shout out to Connie. Thank you so, so, so very much for this updated look and logo. It looks tons better than it did before. And so I thank you tremendously. Now, today we're going to talk about um, the importance of leadership being on board with diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. So as many of you know, my lived experience is as a person with a disability. And what I do for a living through Prairie Consultants is do consulting as well as training and facilitation around diversity, equity, inclusion issues. Um, a high-level equity lens, so I speak on high-level equity issues, meaning I can address all the buckets of equity, and that's racial equity, LGBTQIA plus equity, uh, disability equity, ageism, sexism, gender, any kind of equity, high-level. But what I bring to organizations um, myself is the disability lens. I am a person with a disability. I'm legally blind. I have macular degeneration. And this is often the component missing from diversity, equity, inclusion programs. And so really starting to talk about intersectionality and how your communities of color, your, your LGBTQIA communities are also experiencing disability out there. So we want to make sure to include disability in these conversations because of those um, who are most impacted, which are those with multiple identities, multiple who belong to multiple groups of um, oppressed communities. And so 
when I'm inside organizations and really talking about these issues, it is very interesting to talk about the role that leadership plays in these programs. Now, there's two kinds of organizations out there, probably more, but I will talk about two today. And those are the leaders who are out there who want to check the diversity, equity, inclusion box. And that's mostly for visibility. It's for doing the quote unquote right thing. And so they want to bring in a trainer. They want to have a book group. They want to have an employee resource group. But it's very superficial. Um, it's not addressing the root problem inside organizations, which is dominant culture. So white, able-bodied, primarily male um, groups of leaders and um, then the diverse crowd and that includes all diversity um, tends to be at the lower levels of the organization and so these for these leaders who are saying yes I want diversity equity inclusion they don't really want to dig into the work they don't really want to get uncomfortable they want to make sure that they're providing trainings and, and opportunities for exposure to some of this information, but that's about it. And then there's companies and um, leaders who are fully invested in this work. And once they became aware of the disparities that minority communities um, experience, they have jumped on board themselves. and that would be the trickle-down effect. So your leaders are on board with this. That means your policies are changing. Your programs reflect an equity lens. Your your staff and your culture um, understands that this is a priority to leadership and they either need to get on board or get off board. And so those are the organizations that we're not necessarily talking about today. However, I still encourage those organizations to make sure they're including all aspects of equity in their diversity, equity, inclusion groups, uh, um, resources, experiences, journeys. But the, the piece about the first group, so the leaders who are kind of checking the box, and this is one of the big complaints from minority communities is, when we ha see leaders that are just trying to check the box, what that feels like to us inside those organizations is, oh, my boss or my leadership says this, but when I am at work, it feels like crap. I'm not treated well. Nobody understands me. I don't feel like I belong there. I feel, um, you know, there are microaggressions around me all day. There's discriminatory language, behaviors, etc., all the time around me. And I either have to shut up and get along, or I won't work there very long. Now, that is how you know whether a leader is engaged in this work and is really pushing to shift the culture, shift the culture to be more inclusive, shift the culture to understand how our privilege um, affects the people around us. When I speak about privilege, this is something that especially white folks get very offended by but we all have privilege. Every single one of us has some type of privilege 
because as I am a white person, yes, I have white privilege, but who's my husband, for example, he is black. He it does not have a disability. I do. So he is able-bodied privilege over myself. And so I may have white privilege compared to him, and he has able-bodied privilege compared to me. And so this white privilege has been very prominent and very um, uh, a focus of diversity and inclusion work, which it needs to be, since that's the dominant race in our country that, that the system is built on. But we all hold privilege. And if all of us don't recognize that and bring that privilege and that lens to work with us or to our families with us or to, you know, public or wherever you're taking yourself, we're missing a big piece of diversity, equity, inclusion work. And so when we recognize our privilege and we're able to use that to help other communities who are not able to speak up or not um, given the opportunity to speak up or to advance at work or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when we can use our privilege to get that person through the door to be heard, that's where we all can, we can join together. And so recognizing that privilege is, is first and foremost. Now, when we talk about the, the importance of leadership, um, I do not, I do not, I do not want to make this about politics, but just uh, today, Mike Pompeo put a tweet out that talked about how multiculturalism is not the American way. It's not, um, you know, it's the, the evil ones trying to divide our country. And when you have somebody in a leadership position that feels that way, it is very telling to how does this influence the way he has been Secretary of State for the last four years? How is that influencing the way our foreign policies ha are being administered? How is that if he is the foreign policy advisor, how is that affecting the relationships with the rest of the world and the U.S.? Now, put that onto a smaller scale. If you have an organization leader that's, you know, much smaller than the U.S., if that's truly how that leader feels, um, that organization is not going to be able to change, even though the people underneath that leader may want it to change so badly. There are a lot of all kinds of people, white folks, people with disabilities, people without disabilities, black people, um, you know, Latino, Latinx, people who want to see change from the top down inside their organizations. That's the one, one big thing I hear as a trainer more than anything. This class was great. However, I can enjoy this information and I can um, take all the classes I want. But if my manager or my manager's manager or my manager's manager's manager doesn't understand this information, it doesn't matter what I do down here because it's not going to be, it's not going to, it's not going to infiltrate the whole organization. And so looking at the example of the Secretary of State, that attitude and the reflection of his comments trickles down to the citizens of the United States who who may not understand 
um, diversity, equity, inclusion, the value of diversity, equity, inclusion, and may not want to. And that's not, that's not the point, but the ones of us who would like to see justice, who would like to see equity, who, who would like to simply get a job without feeling as if you're a burden or being discriminated against, or if you had to hide your disability or act more white or act more this or act more younger or act more mature or older um, or act as a woman stronger and you know as if we were men in this society and so we don't want to have to act and, and we want to bring our full selves to work and we want to be valued for being who we were born or acquired in the in this case of a disability um, you know, we want to bring our full self to work and not have to act more able-bodied every day. This is something that, as a person with a disability, you know, I can really speak to. Um, and I've experienced, and I unconsciously did it so much. Um, so some of you, my listeners, know that in 2018, I got my first guide dog so I'm legally blind and I have definitely reached the point where I can still see um, but curbs stairs elevation changes were getting very difficult for me to see and so walking around downtown you know on my own independently going to work going to new environments I was starting to feel very unsafe so I got my first guide dog well after I came home and this was my first day out with Bevy. Bevy's my guide dog. Um, I got on mass transit, and so I walked into the into the max, and I, uh, you know, found my seat, and you know, Bevy was sitting there, and I pulled out my phone and I started using my phone, and I when I use my phone, I use it, I hold it very very close to my face, and so. I hear the people across from me because I don't know if you know this, but um, I know many blind people experience this. Um, when people <laughs> notice that you're blind or visually impaired, they also think you're deaf or hard of hearing. <laughs> and so often they talk about you as if you can't hear them. And so I hear the people across from me saying, huh, why does she have a guide dog if she can use her phone? So I noticed that and then I noticed feeling, um, and this was a reflection back. I didn't notice in the moment. I became very self-conscious. I then, every morning when I rode, you know, the, the train in and when I rode it back home, I f found a coping me mechanism of pretending like I was completely blind because then people didn't assume anything about me. Um, so I wouldn't use my phone, I wouldn't do any of that, and I didn't really realize it. I would just put on my sunglasses and to avoid the awkward conversations, to avoid people saying extremely rude things about my guide dog and about me and how I'm faking it, etc., etc. And so I would act completely blind in order to avoid the conversations. Well, at work, it would be the flip side. A lot of my life, I would pretend like I could see everything until I could 
absolutely possibly not fake it anymore. And so that constant stress of faking it and trying to figure out, put the puzzle pieces together about what the presentation says, what I'm supposed to be doing, um, how I'm supposed to be doing it, uh, constant stress at, at work and straining and struggling just to fit in and so that I didn't get fired or let go or have a performance review that was negative because I wasn't completing tasks, etc., etc. That constant stress of being somebody that I, I'm not was horrible. It was horrible. And a lot of communities of, you know, minority or oppressed or however you want to label them feel this way, that they have to act like dominant culture. And in my case, that's able-bodied um, so that they can just get through the day. And diversity, equity, inclusion has really been trending, as some people are saying, because not because, you know, do I think the, 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 the organizations have all of a sudden decided to really care? The majority, no, I can't say that. Some yes and some no. But it's because people like myself, people like my husband, people like um, many other oppressed communities out there are tired of faking it. We're tired of trying to fit into this little box and stress ourselves out and act like somebody we're not and, you know, play the game in order to keep our job. And when we put it that way, a lot of times people think, oh, yeah, that would suck to have to fake it. So now, people like myself, people of color, people in the LGBTQIA community are speaking up and saying, I'm done. I'm done playing this game. I want to be who I am. And this world is ready, needs to be ready to receive that. And that's hard. That's very hard for our country. Um, and trying to get people to see the value in humans that are different than themselves is difficult, especially if they're not surrounded by them on, you know, uh, in, uh, in a family or in close friends. Um, and so diversity, equity, inclusion trainings is not just a box. We need to check. We need that leadership to take it and embrace it and dig into it and get really, really uncomfortable because until you get really, really uncomfortable, your organization is going to continue to see that. They're going to continue to try to progress as far as the culture and it's not going to change. So some people might be asking, okay, what if it doesn't change? Well, guess what? The minority groups out there are growing and there are incredibly talented people out there that if you're not tapping into, you're going to fall behind. For example, the, the disability community. There's 1.8 billion, 1.8 billion people in the world with disabilities. And when you combine the buying power of us and our loved ones and our friends and those who care 
about me as a human, you're missing out on $8 trillion worth of potential customer revenue. $8 trillion worth of money that could be coming to your company. But so many of you don't have accessible websites. So I'm not going to shop there. So many of you have HR portals that I can't apply to because I use a screen reader. So many of you have um, organizations who have never spoken of disability. And I am the first person to tell you that that is not something to be ashamed of right now. Right now you need to hear that and say, huh, I wonder where we're at as an organization when it comes to that. And accept it. And then move forward. Start tomorrow saying, huh, let me start asking some questions about disability. Can we even hire people with disabilities? What does our interview process look like for people with disabilities and other cultures who don't conform to our norms of eye contact and, you know, professionalism? What does professionalism mean? But starting to ask some of those questions is going to start you on that journey. And so by no means is this shameful. It is what it is. We're here. And what can you do to move forward tomorrow? And so, you know, this brings up a lot. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion uh, is such an important issue. And there's so many buckets under that issue. And, you know, as you listen to my intro um, to this podcast, and if you've, you know, been a listener for a while, my husband's black, my kids are mixed. Uh, my nephews are Japanese and white. My sister-in-law is Japanese. Um, I have a close family member who's gay and has a partner of 20-something years. I have a, a, a younger adopted brother who is half Hispanic. We have everything in our family, and none of these issues are more important than the other. None. My disability is not more important than my husband's race. My disability is not more important than the marital status or the gender roles or the the whatever of any other human. And we all have very different needs. And so yes, if we lead with race, we will bring up all the other, other communities because the, you know, the racial fight has gone on for a very long time. And if we can bring up those, the water on that, everyone's going to rise. And so I completely understand that. Um, and I would, I'm the first to say this is not the Oppression Olympics by any means. Now, I say that. And if you're not thinking about accessibility, you could be doing all this amazing racial equity work inside your company, but as a person who uses a screen reader, I might not even be able to access that information. I might not even be able to learn about racial equity because um, I'm not able to access the training platform or I'm not able to access uh, the PowerPoints or the trainings or whatever you're doing, the facilitations, because they're not accessible. Um, and so we have to think of all these different buckets. We don't have to focus on every single one all at once, but we need to bring them into the fold if we're truly talking about equity. If we're truly talking about equity inside organizations, 
we have to start trickling everything else in there. We can start with racial justice and say, okay, this is our focus, but we're also going to bring in some other trainings, some other opportunities, some other consulting to make sure that we are able to serve our other communities within our organizations, but also to the customers outside our organizations. If, if your customer base is of a minority community and you serve them well, they're going to tell their friends. I'm going to go say, hey, I couldn't um, read the menu at such and such restaurant, but when I asked, hey, you know, I, I have a vision impairment, um, can you let me know what's on the menu? They didn't think twice. They didn't even blink. They said, of course, let me go ahead. Um, you know, what do you feel like eating today? A salad, a burger, blah, 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 blah. And there was no second thought about, why is this lady asking me to read the menu? What the hell's wrong with her? She looks like she can see, but she's telling me to do something. This is awkward. This is uncomfortable. I'm going to tell my friends, hey, I went to this restaurant and it was freaking amazing. The staff was awesome. They, they knew how to accommodate me as a person with disability. And I will go back there a hundred times because I know I don't have to worry about it. And if I don't have to worry about something, I am much more likely to go back again. Same thing with technology. If something is a pain in the butt, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. My husband's always like, well, just get on and do, 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 do. And I'm like, that app makes me sign in every time. Um, I can't use thumbprint or face ID. It never saves my stuff. No, I'm done. At the end of my workday, I'm running two companies. I have to use my eyes and my ears enough that if something is difficult, I'm out. I'm done. And so that company is not getting my business. That app is not getting my support. Um, and that's not because I'm hating on it, it's just because it's too damn difficult. So we talk is the point of that whole thing. I will tell other visually impaired people, hey, um, this app is great and it's accessible and I had no problem signing up. Um, blah, 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 blah. But other communities do the same thing. Hey, this restaurant's really great for such and such and you know they have a diverse serving staff. Um, this store, they have great products for, for all humans and I love them and they, they, they're knowledgeable, blah, 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 blah. But we all talk. So if for nothing else, <laughs> if it's not just to do the right thing, your customer base, your employees, they will change. Um, and they will talk and you will have um, a more diverse and um, equitable lens to view from. And your organization will truly change. It will truly transform into a culturally aware organization, one who cares, one who um, trains on performance reviews um, from an equity lens, one who talks about you know, disability and accommodations and how to have those conversations without being terrified of what the person might do uh, or that you might be sued or all these other things. Your organization will change from the inside and only for the better. Only for the better. You're going to have more diverse perspectives. You're going to have more knowledge. You're going to have more innovation. Diversity speaks for itself in all of the numbers, in all the data that that diversity equity inclusion programs inc uh, um, produce now 
if you don't know where your organization's at as a leader, if you haven't done a full, um, you know, annual review or assessment of your employees' experiences, that's somewhere you should really think about starting because you're never going to know what people think if you don't ask. And when I say that, this is where it gets people get really scared, but you need to include all kind of demographic information. Um, do you feel that, do you have a disability? Yes or no? What type of disability? Um, do you feel like that disability affects you in your workplace? Do you feel like your disability affects the relationship with your manager? Blah, 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 blah. We do these reviews or these annual um, surveys for employees and you find out a whole lot of information. You find out that where the gaps are, you find out where you know your positives are, where you're doing really well, and then you can use that information to build. A lot of times people are very too vague. You know, they have a very short survey. Are you happy in your workplace? Yes or no? Okay. Um, do you, uh, you know, what's your, your race or ethnicity? Okay. And, um, you know, <laughs> but they don't get into any detail. You're either black, white, Asian, or Hispanic, Latinx. I mean, th those are your only four choices. But there's so much more when you dig down into that. There's so much more information and data and experiences that you're missing if you don't have a full-blown employee survey. And so we see some incredible results when we look at the employee surveys from year to year. And when the companies are truly serious and the leaders are truly serious behind the diversity, equity, inclusion efforts, you're going to see these results change and for you know the data-driven dominant culture you're gonna see those results that you want because the experiences of those who are most affected are going to improve hopefully if you're doing the right things if you're not doing the right things you're not gonna see them change for the positive and so you gotta listen you gotta open your ears and listen to the people who are most affected so Cutting back here for a minute, <laughs> leaders have to be on board. Um, if leaders are on board, not only the people who are interested, who are craving, who are drinking from the diversity, equity, inclusion cup, not only those people will start to follow, but the others who are more skeptical, who may not know, who um, you know are very unfamiliar, who are new to this, these concepts and this journey, they're going to see you as your their leader, and they're going to slowly but surely start to get on board. And so that leader has that power. That's the power of being a leader to bring people along in this journey. And if you're truly passionate about that, you need to make sure that's known. You need to make sure you're walking the walk and not just talking the talk. You're not just checking boxes. Oh, we have a diversity program and it's full-fledged and amazing. No, we need to make sure that you're looking at the impact that your quote-unquote program is having and and uh, and that that the culture in your office is changing and that your your HR processes are changing and you are looking at all communities within diversity equity inclusion not just one um, and you know as a white person this is a hard conversation for me to have with organizations, especially if there's any um, communities of colors as leaders. Um, the leading with race is important. 
don't ever hear me say that that's not important. You will never hear me say that that's not important. And we need to make sure we're including those buckets that are also underserved and that intersect with racial equity. Because disability, mm, it doesn't discriminate. It definitely doesn't discriminate. We have we we touch people in all communities, and that intersection between uh, disability and whatever makes it it impacts that human even more. So I think I'm going to wrap it up there for today. So leaders, invest, invest yourselves and. The other piece of this, before I go, is this is not something that has a finish line. Everybody listening today, if you take one diversity, equity, inclusion class, if you take one white fragility, read one white fragility book, if you do one thing, you are not there. There is no finish line for this work. And that is something that is very hard for our culture to accept. And so you're not there. Continue the journey. Continue reading. Continue engaging. Continue to find more education because this journey never ends and it never will end. And that's okay. We are adult learners. We, we learn. We fail. We feel like crap about failing. Then we pick ourselves back up and we learn. We get a little bit better and then we learn and then we fail and then the cycle goes on. And it's so funny how so much of that is embedded in, you know, our, the raising of our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews. They're allowed to fail all they want, but all of a sudden we reach, what, 35 and we're not allowed to fail anymore and you're supposed to be perfect? No, this is a journey. You're going to screw it up and you're going to keep learning and you're going to screw it up and you're going to say you're sorry and you're going to screw it up and you're going to say I'm going to do better next time and you're going to screw it up and this is the way it goes and it's okay. And as long as you're humble enough to say, yeah, I screwed up, like, I really did, I'm going to do better next time, that's the journey. That's the journey of saying something that was inappropriate and and being humble enough to say, mm, that was my bad, it really was, and having that courage to step up to the plate and uh, make sure that you make that, make that right. So... Uh, thank you all for being here today. I'm super excited to be back. It was, uh, <laughs> I was going to start at the new year and then the, you know, stuff in DC was that first Wednesday and then last Wednesday, uh, more stuff at the, in, in DC. And I was just like, this isn't the time. Now I'm thinking today's inauguration, like it is what it is. I got to get going. I got to talk to my people. So, um, I'm super excited to be back. Uh, we'll get some more amazing guests on here going, and I look forward to seeing all you soon. Check out um, Instagram. I'm emily.purry on LinkedIn. There's Purry Consultants page, um, and that's where this podcast is housed, and that's where I do my diversity, equity, inclusion work is uh, Purry Consultants, as well as Facebook, Purry Consultants. You can look me up there. And I do all types of um, you know, keynote speeches, diversity, equity, including inclusion trainings, accessibility reviews, um, evaluations, physical space evaluations, etc. So check me out. And then the website is um, www.purry, that's P-U-R-R-Y, C-O.com. 
purryco.com and you can check out everything I do there. So look forward to speaking to all of you in the future. I am actually going to be talking to Jameson, my husband, um, next episode, and we are going to be talking about <laughs> the race and disability, um, we'll call it a collision. Let's call it a collision. Um, and how to manage that and how it feels to one party versus the other and how we can move forward together in this, um, in this world of, you know, oppression. So stay tuned, be safe out there, and I will t- talk to you all next Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining me here today at Human Is My Label. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and coworkers. Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N.org. You can find me at emily.purry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day and can't wait to see you next week.